you're kind of wondering if it's a little bit sparsely populated here this morning, uh, we made a time change to our services. So our early service is now at 9, and this one, in case you hadn't gotten the memo, starts at 1045. Okay, so next week, 1045. Here's what happened, though. When we moved the 830 to 9 o'clock, about 75 or 80 people decided that was the time. And so we had a whole bunch more people at the early service. And so that's what's going on, which takes a little bit of the pressure away from uh, how crowded this one can get. So that's what's happening there. Now, if you can't tell, I'm kind of excited today. And it's not just because it's my birthday, although that's kind of a cool thing, even though I'm not so thrilled about getting older. It's been made easier because an incredibly important person in my world decided to have their birthday on my birthday. And so, Willow, if you're watching in West Fargo later today, happy birthday, baby girl. Willow, my granddaughter, our first grandchild, decided to be born on October 3rd, which I told her when she was brand new and just wide open or wide awake in the world. I said, from now on, you're the one that gets all the birthdays. I'm going to be 48 forever. So I'm... She's eight years old. You can do the math. That's how old I am this year, right? Honestly, it was a really a cool thing. What a, what a cool way to celebrate a birthday. What a cool way today to celebrate a birthday, to be able to be with my church family, talking about the future of our church, talking about how God has been faithful in the past and, and how God is faithful with us today and how we know that God is going to be faithful to us into the future. And so we're, we're in the third week of a five-week series on a capital campaign that is exciting for me to talk about. You know, some people say, man, how can, how can pastors do that kind of stuff? I'll tell you what, I'm excited about it because I believe in our church and I believe in what we're called to do. I believe in the mission and the ministry and the movement that God is doing through us in this place. And so before we jump into the Bible, whether you're a regular here live at the open door, whether you're a regular with us online, maybe it's your first time here. There's something that you should know. We don't talk very much about money in this church. It's just a topic that we choose not to talk about every week. And, and some churches do, but we choose to trust and believe that God is going to work in our hearts and that that God is going to cause us to give as is appropriate to our faith and our finances. And then as leaders, we're going to do our very best to continue on and to grow and to build the ministry and reach the people that God has called us to reach by simply being grateful, whether that's for plenty or for lack. So we don't talk about money very often. That, That attitude has driven us from the very beginning. It's a choice that we made. When the pandemic hit, that was a choice we had to revisit. We said, no, we're not going to be a church that counts on guilt giving. We're going to be a church that's going to simply be grateful for whatever it is that we are able to receive. Now, I know there are some churches that are very financially driven. I know there are some churches that spend time, every single message, talking about money. If that's right for them, that's okay, but that just isn't us. So you can imagine when we made the decision to begin a capital campaign as leaders, it was one that we spent a lot of time thinking and talking and praying about. It was something that we did, we did spend a lot of time working on, praying over, thinking about, and planning. See, this capital campaign actually involves one thing that Jesus spent one-third of the words that we have in the Bible talking about. A third of what we have recorded as Jesus' teaching talks about money, more specifically our relationship to money. 
And so if we're going to be a Bible teaching church, if we're going to believe that God's word is for us, we've also got to talk about that topic. But we've just chosen not to do it in a way that it constantly feels like we're barraging you with it. And so we've got a five week stretch where we're going to talk about what God is doing and how it is that we get to be a part of it. Because we know when, when Jesus spends a third of the time talking about money, there's something significant there. There's something we've got to pay attention to. And what it amounts to, it's our relationship with money. And how that relationship with money shows the condition of our hearts and our, our trust and our commitment to Him. And if you're one of those people who go, oh man, here's just another church, all they're going to do is talk about money. Nope, that's really not the case. It isn't who we are. However, what we are going to do is invite you to be a part of God's story that we're living out in this place. Whether you're a guest, a member, an online viewer, we're going to invite you to be a part of what God is doing in this place. And that's biblical. And all the messages are going to be biblical, whether this is your church home or not. And so what that means is that this, this whole campaign has something for all of us. And it does because we've been brought to this point by God. God has brought us to the point where we need to have a capital campaign. See, all of us, whether you know it or not, all of us are here today because seven people 11 years ago believed God would introduce us to you. I was there. I was there for the first conversations. 11 years ago, seven people knew that if we were faithful, if we did what God was calling us to, even though it wasn't going to be comfortable, we knew it wasn't going to be easy, we knew it was going to cost something of us, We knew that if we were faithful, that God would introduce us to people we'd never met before. And I wish that some of those people were were still here in this area or still here on earth, that they could see what that original dream, that original step in faith has come to because they knew that God would introduce us to you. So those seven, they, they gave generously to a dream and to a vision, knowing that the only promise we had is that God would be with us. And because they did, here we are as the Open Door Christian Church at Decision Hills. That group of people, they borrowed against land that they owned. They took money out of their savings and investments. That group of people volunteered hundreds of hours in the belief that God had placed his name here, had had placed his seal, and that the vision that we had, God had given to us. That group of seven decided to step out against all the odds, against every study, every survey that we could read that said you just really don't stand a chance. What we read 11 years ago was that 97%, 97% of church plants with funding failed in the first two years. We had no funding. We just had a group of people that said we'd do whatever we could to make it work. And so here we are after 11 years, despite the studies said that we couldn't, despite the fact that there are church people who actively worked and spoke out against me and my family and against this church in our call, God has prevailed. God has prevailed and we're still here because we decided to love Jesus, to love people, and to teach people to love Jesus. And we've done that for 11 years and God is good. And after 11 years, here we are. God's hand is still on this church. The vision hasn't changed and the mission to change the culture in this area in the name of Jesus, is still why we're here. The only thing that has changed is that you've joined us. We've gotten bigger. God has blessed us with people. And now you've come alongside us to join in the work that God has called us to, to change the culture in the name of Jesus. Not to be a big church. That's God's business. The Bible says that God takes care of that. 
Our business is be faithful to what God has called us to. And so you can do that. You can help out with your prayers because nothing great in the kingdom of God happens outside of a base of prayer. You can help as you grow as a personal disciple of Jesus and grow in your walk. You can help in your personal witness wherever you are, at school, at work, with your families, with your friends, as you give a voice to why it is that you believe in Jesus because people around you wonder and they need to hear your story. It's your testimony. You can help by doing that. And certainly you can help through the generous giving of your finances to this movement of God. But that's not the only thing because for 11 years that hasn't been the only thing. We're going to talk about the blessing that God has given us that matters most of all, the most significant blessing that the Bible talks about. And it has nothing to do with money. But on the topic of money, I always, and I I, I do mean always, I find it sad and and odd when people complain about churches reminding them that there's bills to pay and missions to accomplish. I understand that some churches talk way too much about it and they seem to deliver very, very little on the topic. That's not us. We're not one of them. The truth is to talk about money is so biblical. It is so rooted in Scripture. To talk about money and our love of money is the most common thing that stands in the way between us and a relationship with Jesus. And that's why we complain. We complain because we don't want Jesus to have a part of our money. We complain because we say, I worked hard, it's mine, I want to do what I want. Tell the preacher to quit asking me for it. Well, I'm not asking you for it. See, we don't want God to expect something so practical, so personal from us. And yet financial generosity is at the very heart of the New Testament. It's at the very core of the New Testament. So much so that Jesus never talked about tithing because people understood that was where they started. What Jesus talked about was giving with glad and joyful hearts. And so now this next statement might might step on some toes and it might hurt a little bit, but the fact is, When we don't like the pastor talking about our money or more specifically our relationship with money, it is most likely because money or our love of money is more important to us than our love of Jesus. And we don't like anyone pointing that out. That's a simple truth that we like to keep to ourselves. But as a Bible teaching church, we need to call that out and say, folks, be careful of that one. That's a dead end road. God has given you money in order to accomplish his purpose in your life. God has given you Jesus to be the most important thing in your life. And so God wants us to have a healthy relationship with him first, but also with money. And we can do that as Christians if we're willing to talk openly about it and if we're willing to trust God in what he says about it. And so really this capital campaign gives us an opportunity to do just that. So our attitude and our teaching and our talking about money has to be rooted in Scripture and not just parts of it, but all of it. And so I'm going to use a couple of different passages that are on very much opposite ends of the spectrum. But they're going to give you a glimpse into what the Bible really says. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Paul is writing to the Christian church. And it's about a collection for Christians back at home in Jerusalem because they're struggling. And he writes to the church in Corinth, Each one of you must give as he's decided in his heart, and not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Some people use that verse to say, what I give to the church is my business and it's mine alone. God doesn't care what I do. That isn't true at all. God wants you to give and to be cheerful about it, but also understand that the people that Paul was writing this 
to were folks that were deeply faithful and had been strong supporters, were faithful givers. They were very generous to the work of God through Paul and to the church that started them back in Jerusalem. Then there's this other passage back in Malachi. It's in the Old Testament. It's a little harder to hear. It's Malachi verse three, uh, Malachi 3, starting in verse 9. God says that you're under a curse, your whole nation. We need to listen to this one in America today. We're under a curse, our whole nation, God says, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. God doesn't need our money, so there's something else going on. What God asks for is our faithfulness. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Do you get that? The God of creation, the God that created you, the Lord Almighty actually says in the Bible to test him. But this is the only time. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Here's where we go wrong. We assume that if we give God some of our money, God's going to give us all of his money. It's called prosperity theology. It's completely wrong and not biblical at all. It completely misses the point of what God is talking about. So before any of you get prickled up on that one, let me remind you of the prayer to Jabez that we talked about, where Jabez prayed that God would enlarge his territory. And in the Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament, when we talk about blessing from God's perspective, blessing from God's heart, it is always, it always has to do with relationships. Relationships with God Relationship with Jesus, with his Holy Spirit, and with other people. And if God is love and we're created in God's image, it is clear then that we are people to be created for loving relationships with God and with others. And that's where we get to the heart of what blessing is. Relationships are the blessing. If you go back to the Old Testament, people consider themselves not blessed because they didn't have children and family. Throughout Scripture, blessing is always, when you read it for what it says, it's always about relationships. And we've got the opportunity, the invitation before us to test God at His Word, just like He invites us to do through our financial faithfulness. And when we do that, God says the floodgates of heaven will be open to us. What that means is that God is going to open the doors to reach the people that Satan has closed. Satan has closed the eyes and the minds and the hearts and the ears of so many people from hearing the good news of Jesus. But when we're faithful in our finances, when we're faithful in our obedience, those doors, the floodgates are going to be open and we're going to be able to reach people for Jesus. And that's what this capital campaign is all about. It isn't about building a big new sanctuary for us, not even in the plans. It's all about creating ways that we can reach people with the good news of Jesus, with the dream of changing the culture in this area for him. So there's a few things we're going to do. The first one is we're going to raise the $1.5 million to pay off the rest of the money that we owe the Methodist Church for this beautiful property that we're on. We got a two-part deal with them. The first one was $1 million for these 10 acres, and then the surrounding 60 acres they gave us interest-free for $1.5 million for five years. Well, it's time to pay that next September. And if we don't choose to pay that, if we don't raise that money, what ends up happening is we owe them about $12,000 a month in interest. And I don't know about you, but I would rather spend that $12,000 a month reaching people for Jesus than paying off a debt. So the first thing we're going to do is raise $1.5 The second thing is we need to address a couple of very current 
very significant needs that we have. One of them is we have got a lot of families who would love to be a part of our church but cannot because we don't have a space for preschoolers and and for our littlest ones in a nursery. So the first thing that we're working on is creating a space attached to this one that will serve as a preschool and nursery that we can use as a daycare. A large building, a large room that can be used Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights in order to reach the very littlest ones among us with the good news of Jesus. The second thing is you've talked to, or you've heard me talk to you about over 200 kids gathering on Wednesday night between this campus and our North 40 campus. Over 200 kids from seven school districts. That's just incredible. But you know what? We're out of room. And so we've got, we've got a bunch of them in the children's house. And we've got a bunch of them that meet here. And then 7 through 12 all meet at North 40. But if you're a parent that's got to have a fourth grader here and an eighth grader there, you're going back and forth and you've basically got to be at two places at the same time twice on Wednesday. And there's a lot of families that say, I'd love to be a part of what you're doing, but I, I just can't do that. And so we've asked people to be gracious. We've asked people to be patient. And now it's time to address that need. And so what we're going to do is we're going to build a building right here on this campus that's going to house all of our youth ministry stuff. A wide open building with all kinds of different spaces. Not classrooms like the kids go to in school every day. But stuff where we can reach them and we can play and we can have fun and we can teach them about Jesus and pray with them. That's the next part of this Capital campaign vision that is so important. And then finally, we're going to build a building out here in this big field. We're going to build a big, big building with all kinds of different spaces and places that are specifically designed to meet the needs and the, and the things that we don't have in this area right now for people to be able to gather. And we have the opportunity to talk with them, to play games with them, and to reach them with the good news of Jesus. Whether that's sitting down and having a cup of coffee or somehow using athletics or other sports things to be able to do it. And, and when we create that space and when God brings people to us, because God has a long history here of doing that, we're going to meet new people. We're going to begin new friendships. And one at a time, God is going to bless our commitment, our obedience and our faithfulness to reach the people of this area with the good news of Jesus for them. And we're going to begin to see an even greater way where we realize the vision of changing the culture of our area for Jesus. That isn't a crazy dream. It's already happening. But we need to take a look at how we're doing with it because we're maxed out in our facilities. And we need to do all of that right here on this piece of land if we're faithful. And so what is this about? This is about inviting you into the history that God has already been writing in this place. And so if you said, well, summarize it. What do I do? What am I supposed to be about, Pastor? Micah 6.8 has this, and he says it so beautifully. He says, God has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? I've been in professional ministry, full-time pastoral ministry for over 20 years. I have never, ever been around a group of people who lives out those words as faithfully as the people of this church do. To love justice, to take care of people, and to do right by them. To love kindness. To treat people well, to welcome them in a real way, to be hospitable because you're grateful to see them, and to walk humbly with their God, not arrogantly, but walk humbly, realizing that all of us have a past and all of us have a future. And this place, the people who gather here do that in a better way than I've ever seen anywhere. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a clip. You saw this a year ago. It was for our 10th anniversary. This is a little bit of an explanation for who we are and where we came from. When we first opened the church 10 years ago, we 
decided we were going to have kind of a, a verse for the congregation. <clears throat> what, what we were going to base ourselves on. So we settled on Acts 2, verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, but to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We took that verse and we came up with the three things you hear us talk about every Sunday. What we focus on, what we promise you, we're going to do our very best to get right is teaching the truth of God's word every week, straight out of the Bible. The second thing is prayer. God invited us to be people of prayer. And in, in Acts chapter 242, the people dedicated themselves to prayer. And the third thing is worship. And we know that we are going to spend all of eternity worshiping God. But worship comes in a lot of different forms. It isn't just happen, what happens on Sunday morning. It uh, should be our whole life, an exercise of our whole life. And so 10 years ago, we settled on that verse. And uh, here we are 10 years later. We haven't changed the thing. The three things are still what we focus on. Uh, we're going to stick with them uh, for the next 10 years. We had a young guy that did a great job putting that video together. I remember that day. It's kind of nervous because it's like, wow, this is a 10-year anniversary. you got to say something that really people are going to remember. And I got there and I hadn't written anything down. Hadn't planned a thing. I just said what I knew was true. I said what I believed. That was it. That's who we are. That's who our congregation is. If you found a home here, there is something in you that recognizes that, and that's who you are. We're not all the same, but we share a common vision. We share a common dream. We share a common belief in the foundation of God's word and the love of Jesus. And now you've got an opportunity to invest in the, the future of God's work in this, play, in this place like those first seven people did for you. Seven people laid the foundation that we're living today. You have the opportunity to pour into the eternal salvation of people that you know as well as people you may never meet this side of heaven. If we do our job right, we're going to reach people whose names we don't know and will never know their full story until we get to heaven. But just imagine getting there one day and having some soul come up to you whose face you don't even recognize. And they say, it's because of you. It's because of you that I'm here. That's what we're about. We're not about just doing church because it's the thing to do on Sunday morning. We're about being generous because of the way God has been generous to us. It's why we exist, not for thanks, but for the knowledge that God will do through us and will change eternity in people because of our faithfulness. People you know, people you love, people you call parents and children and friends and co-workers and complete strangers. And that is why we're entering this capital campaign. We're entering this capital campaign because we simply can't not do it. That's so why I'm not the least bit shy talking about it or, or talking about money because I have every confidence that God is going to continue to work through this place and through you. And we're going to invite you to give and to give generously to the work of God in this place because we have a history of following God here. 
So let's be honest, there's a lot of money out there right now. Uh, if you're in the stock market, the majority of your year, things have done pretty well. Your portfolio is in a good place. Uh, I've made some phone calls. I've made some stops and some visits. And it's pretty hard if you want a new boat or a new jet ski or a new four-wheeler or a new side-by-side or a material for construction. It's kind of hard to find it right now because there's a lot of money out there. And the odds are pretty good that you're in a good financial place. And everything about it says this is a horrible time. You don't do a capital campaign in the middle of a pandemic. Well, you know what? God says you do a capital campaign when I call you to. And that's what we're doing. See, God's opened a door to have a capital campaign that can succeed against all the odds, which is what we've done for 11 years. It's a chance for you to step forward in faith and to trust God with your generosity. Not just generous giving, but sacrificial giving. Giving that hurts a little bit because you realize what's at stake for people. And then we get to see God succeed where the world has always said we would fail. That we can do through God what is impossible without God. And I wholeheartedly believe in that possibility with all of my heart and all of my life. And my hope and my prayer is that God moves in your heart. That you want to join me in the next chapter of The Open Door. It's a mission. It was born from a dream that became a ministry that has reached people for Jesus over 11 years and that now God has birthed what is a movement to change a culture. That's not the kind of thing you get invited into every day. And the fact is, the only thing that can stop it is us. We can stop God by not trusting in Him and He can move on to someone else. We can choose not to be a part of it. But you know what? We're dreamers and visionaries and believers in this place. We're not quitters. We've been that for 11 years, and we're going to be that well into the future. We trust God, even we maybe don't see a way for tomorrow. We believe that God has placed his name on this church because he has called and ordained us to do this for him. It isn't about us at all. It's about God, God at work in us. This whole campaign, it's the door into this movement, this movement of God that's our tomorrow. It's a chance to move forward into this God-sized dream. And it is a God-sized dream of changing the culture in our area, the lives, the minds, the hearts, the homes, the families, the workplaces, the schools of our area. We complain all the time, but what do we do about it? This is our chance to do something. And here's the thing. This, This isn't just a dream because we've already begun. We're already doing it. We're reaching 200 kids We're reaching adults that are hearing the good news of Jesus and hearing the Bible opened up for the first time in their life. And I hope and I pray that you want, as much as I do, to get on board with us. Because it is going to be an amazing journey. We serve a God of incredible abundance and blessing. And all we need to do is choose to put our faith in Him and trust that He will multiply our obedience and our generosity in ways that we can't even imagine. That's the tomorrow that God has prepared us for. Let's pray. God, thank you for your faithfulness to this little church plant. Thank you that you took a a bunch of people, many of whom were hurting from experiences because of other Christians before coming together, God, that you just took this ragtag group of people and you gave us a dream, you gave us a vision. And seven people stepped out in faith. They stepped out in obedience. They stepped out with their finances. And God, what those seven, what we were able to be a part of is something we could have never dreamt about. But God, we're at another crossroads. We're at another place in our history. 
where we can't begin to dream about what you might do with us, what you might do through us, who it is that we might be able to reach and how we might be able to change this area and the culture that we live in for Jesus. To go from being people who are disgruntled and frustrated and complaining to be people who take action and claim this culture for you. God, help us to be people who believe in maybe what we can't even see, who trust where maybe we've had doubt before, who know that you are the one who has placed your name on this church and this mission, this ministry, this movement that we get to be a part of is of you. And the dream, the vision that you've called us to, God, it's what you've prepared us for. We give you thanks for the history that we have. We give you thanks for the present that we're living. And God, we give you thanks for the future that we will step into with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Coming forward next week, I'm hoping that every single one of you comes back to church next week. And here's my reason why. Next week is our Commitment Sunday. And what we're going to do is we're going to give you a card next Sunday morning and invite you to be a part of what we're doing, this three-year journey that we're on together. And the front of it is just simply this. No surprises. Don't want anybody to get caught off guard. It's a commitment card that looks just like that. Name, address, total gift, first gift. How often do you plan to give it? Uh, you can give online. You can give uh, directly. You can mail. We just want to make sure that we get all that stuff cleared up because we want to know what exactly we're going to be able to move forward on as far as the building. And then as you walk out of here today, there's one of these pages for you. You know, there's two kinds of people. There's, there's some folks out there that have, have money and assets and land and property and stuff like that, and they're able to use that for something like this. And then a lot of us, we are able to be a part of it by figuring out how we can fit it into our budget. So we're going to give you one of these. It's just going to help you see the dollar amount, whatever you want to give to this, whatever you want to commit and pledge. And it breaks it down to what is that monthly amount equal to. And then on this side, it's just a breakdown on the gifts So we hope that the people of God in this place are willing to make to help us reach our goal. Here's the deal. On this page, you will find two numbers that pertain to you. The first one that you find on here, that's the number that you're comfortable with. That's the number I feel, okay, you know what, we can do that. We can figure out how to make that happen. Somewhere towards the top, moving up, is the God number. That's the number that God wants to stretch us with. The number that requires us to sacrifice something. And so grab one of those. You've got a whole week to pray about it. And then next Sunday, we're just going to have a celebration Sunday. It's going to be our commitment to the campaign Sunday. And then the following week is going to be our first gift. We're going to invite everybody to bring our first gift to our three-year commitment. And so it's going to be fun. It's going to be a celebration. I hope you choose to be a part of it. Matthew six nineteen says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures in earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break and steal. You know as well as I do that Satan has got a full court press on America today. Satan is is coming after grown-ups. He's coming after our kids. He's coming through where we work. He's coming through the news. He's coming through schools. And the only thing that we can do to combat that is to stand on the Word of God and have a different message. Not one based out of fear, but one that's based out of fact and truth. And this is our time. This is our season. This is what God has called and created and prepared us for. And so I hope that you will step in on this with me and that together we do this for the glory of God. We're talking about everybody getting on the bus, whether it's a big number or a small number. We just want everybody to be on board so that we can do this together.